The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Haley Hubbard, a mom to three kids and wife to a touring artist and songwriter. And I'm Jessica Diamond, a registered dietitian nutritionist with a master's in public health. And this is Meaningful Living. Every week, we're breaking down the overwhelming amount of parenting, nutrition, and lifestyle information into credible knowledge and simple tools. The Cliff Notes Guide to Feeling Confident in Your Everyday Choices. It takes a village. We're so excited to share ours with you. I'm ready for you. I am too. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. What do you want to talk about today? Let's talk about newborn feeding. All of the things with newborn feeding. Good. Breastfeeding, formula, breast milk, all of that. All of that stuff. I think there's so much misconceptions about it. I think there's so much shame. I think there's so much guilt and just confusion Mm -hmm. that if we can provide some confidence over this, I think it'll help a lot of moms. We all need it. This is going to be a fun podcast to record right now, by the way, because Bryce is currently awake early from his nap and he is singing Born in the USA by Bruce Springsteen at the top of his lungs. So, oh, that is amazing. I just keep hearing some verses going on. Oh, I love it. Do you have anything that can record it? I need to record. Okay, you have to share that. He's starting to make up his own verses, which is something new that's happening during nap right now, which is just too funny. <laughs> Oh, he's amazing. He's going to be a musical child. He loves his music, that kid. He does. Olivia, the other day, was singing, and it was on International Women's Day, and she was singing, you can be anything you want to be. And she was like singing to her lamb, and she was like, you do a lot. You can do a lot. And I was like, okay, you're so cute. No, if you didn't get that on video, I just... That you have to. That is, and we're traveling, so I couldn't. It was just on her, like oh, you know, it's so other cute. monitor. But I'll remember it. It was so good. That is so cute. Okay, infant nutrition. Let's go. Okay. I think before we get started, I know that you've openly talked about your struggles with breastfeeding, especially with Atlas this go around. And I just think let's talk about that story. Let's you know, I think it'll help a lot of women wherever they are in their postpartum journey. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think it took me having a few babies to have the confidence to make this decision. But ultimately, I've said this before, but you were the tipping point. You gave me that permission almost in a sense to not breastfeed with the third baby. And that felt so good. And it was a phrase that we always talk about. It was a happy mom or parent is a happy child. So, you know, that advice just came to me at a moment where I needed it most. And I had just given birth to our third baby, Atlas, of course, as you know. And at home, we had a two-year-old and a one-year-old waiting for us. And I was just feeling this anxiety creep up on me and this fear creeping in of like, oh my gosh, I have to breastfeed again. And even just kind of having the conscious thought of like, wow, I just said like, I have to breastfeed again. Like, oh, like it's a chore. And that was kind of a sign to me, like, I need to think about this. I really need to put some thought into what I'm doing because I was also feeling not only the mental implications of it, but also the physical and oh so recent feeling of cracked and bleeding nipples and the piercing pain and and like the struggle to get a good latch and mastitis and pressure from different people, especially in the hospital when a nurse comes in and and they mean so well, but I I think they're supposed to ask, are you exclusively breastfeeding? And, you know, you kind of just want to say, well, yes, of course I am. And at that moment, I was just like, 
I don't know if I can do this. I was thinking about going home and having two toddlers running around. And my husband, as you guys know, had a torn Achilles and a broken ankle. He couldn't move. And I'm just picturing myself struggling, breastfeeding and like tearing my hair out essentially, you know? Yeah. And so that's when I texted you and that's what prompted that text. And I knew I would just get like a a very straightforward answer from you and realistic. And that was the first thing that came out of your mouth is a happy mom is a happy baby. And that just immediately like let my guard down and gave me that permission to be like, okay, let's think about this. And, and that's when we did start talking about formula options and, you know, the benefits of breastfeeding, but also like, is it worth it in my situation? And I always had struggles with Olivia and Luca breastfeeding. I didn't even realize it at the time. And I think I just thought it was normal to struggle really badly with breastfeeding. I couldn't latch well, no matter how many specialists I talked to, no matter no matter what pillows I had propping them up, no matter what what position I was in, it was just difficult. And so now looking back, I realize, wow, that was a struggle. And maybe breastfeeding just wasn't for me. And, you know, I did have implants and I think that could have been part of the reason that it, it didn't go so well, but I've seen some of my friends, they just put their baby on their boob and they get through the day and they just do it like it's nothing. And that's also when I was like, whoa, whoa, that was such a different experience for me. And so, you know, I think Jess and I want to sit here and, and talk about the beauty in all feeding all babies in whatever way you need to, because it's a beautiful thing to feed your baby however you decide to do it. And we want to give you permission to formula feed or breastfeed or whatever is right for you. And, and also to know how to ask for support in that. I really feel like my husband was my biggest advocate aside from you, Jess, and, and also Katie and Anna, who had texted simultaneously, actually, when I texted you and Katie texted back and she said, fed is best, which I know we'll talk about. And they were so encouraging. And Anna said, you know, I was a formula baby and I turned out fine. And and so it was just that encouragement from friends knowing that like, this is okay. Yeah. The thing with feeding your infant is that it needs to be a positive relationship. We're starting their relationship with food right from the start. And the truth is, is that there's so many benefits of breastfeeding and breastfeeding is hard. I mean, there are really hard moments with it. What Even if for some people that it just naturally happens, in order to get to that natural place, there's some hurdles you have to get through. And there are some people where those hurdles are manageable and they can get through them. And for others, those hurdles are so much. And if they don't have a good latch or if you know it's just such a struggle between you and you guys can't get on that same page at a certain point you're right you always talk about how it's hard to quit breastfeeding because you feel all this pressure that it's the right thing to do for your baby and while there're benefits at that point where it crosses over that the risks of it or the side effects of it where you are just so miserable outweigh the benefits of it that is a really good point to say okay this is no longer right for me and so we want to support everyone on those journeys whether you're breastfeeding and you're in the thick of it and it's these sleepless nights and your nipples are sore we're going to talk about that and how to get through it or if you're in a point where you can't breastfeed you're not producing enough milk or you're producing too much wherever you are in that journey we really want to empower you to make the right choice for your family and just load you with that knowledge so you feel confident we want to take away the shame and the guilt and really fed is best 
there you want a fed child and however you get there and however that looks for your family is the way that it should be. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know, there is so much shame and guilt around it. And I think part of it is this innate human instinct that, oh my gosh, I can't provide for my child. But I think part of it is also political and it's just in our society, like you need to breastfeed. And I I think in different generations, it was like, oh, you have to formula feed. And, And now I think it's really starting to be okay to do both, thankfully. And I'm just glad that everyone's talking about it now because they're just, I think there needs to be more of that to make moms and dads just feel more comfortable in in their decisions. Yeah. And I love all the information that is available about breastfeeding because I feel like there weren't those resources for so long. And so now parents have more resources than ever on how to successfully breastfeed because we like to think it's a a natural thing, right? People have been breastfeeding forever. And so you think your baby's going to pop out, they get on your boob and you just start and the breastfeeding relationship just happens and it's easy. And while that happens for some, that's not the normal story. So the fact that there's resources out there, there's certified lactation consultants, there's that help to help you do it is really important. But when you utilize those resources or you know that that's not right for you and it's going to cause more harm for you than good, we need to also talk about what does formula look like and just destigmatize it. You know, it's it's what's right for you and how you're feeling and and what's right for your baby. Mm-hmm. Right. And like you said, you think they're just going to come out and start breastfeeding, which they do. And it's amazing. It is so beautiful how they just find your boob, they start eating. But I think the first time I had a baby, I was like, wow, this is so easy. She found my boob. I am breastfeeding. I am doing so good. And then the next day, like everything started settling in. And I was like, I started learning, oh, she didn't have a proper latch. And now I'm bleeding. And this is so painful. I just want to cry. And not only that, you have postpartum and just hormones all over the place. And it's just hard. I mean, it's hard. Take a deep breath thinking about that, but there needs to be, yeah, more support around there. We need to talk about both. We need to talk about how we support you breastfeeding and how we get there and how we support you formula feeding and how we get there. And there are some Mm -hmm. people right off the bat, they know medically or physically or whatever that formula is going to be the way that it goes. There's going to be some that make that conscious choice that breastfeeding is just not for me. So I'm going to formula feed. And then there's those others that are just I want to breastfeed. I want to put all the resources in. And if I can do it, that's great. And we want to help you through that. So whatever part of this journey you're at, we just want to empower you with the knowledge and the skills so that you can feel confident with whatever way you choose to feed your baby. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I want to say is everyone's journey is different. There are commonalities and we're going to talk about the common things that come up. But I've done this so much one-on-one with parents and everyone's breastfeeding journey, formula journey, feeding journey, it all looks a little different. And so you're going to get a lot of advice from a lot of different people. And it's really important to feel confident in the decision you made so that you don't let that shame or that guilt build up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And listen to your body and listen to your gut. I mean, I know it's hard in that moment because everything's so new and your hormones are going, but but do listen to your gut. Yeah. The thing about breastfeeding that I don't think a lot of people talk about is that it is hard in the beginning for most and the benefits come a couple weeks, a couple months down the line. 
And so one of the big decisions that we talked through in your situation is we talked about the benefits of breastfeeding Atlas, but we also talked Mm -hmm. about the real implications of your life, which was, you know, you practically couldn't breastfeed him more than it was a month or two. And so it was putting in that, that effort really comes in the beginning, those first four weeks, those first six weeks. And that once you were ramping up and that you got there to where it became easier, that was the time when you would have to wean off and wean down. And so... Right, right. Yeah, I was going to have that. Well, I had just had that breast implant removal surgery. And so in order to have that surgery, you have to stop breastfeeding three months prior to the surgery. And so I had known that I could only technically breastfeed for one month. And that's when I started thinking, wow, that's really when I start actually getting the hang of breastfeeding. And and so then having to stop at that point is hard because that's something else we should touch on is how difficult it is to stop breastfeeding and how you go through those steps emotionally and physically. Absolutely. And what I loved about our conversation that we had is at the end of the day, I stand by this always, that a happy parent is a happy child. Mm -hmm. But I loved that we really went through the specific scenarios for you, really what the risk benefits were. And at the end of the day, you got to make your decision for you, what you were most comfortable with. You know, We always hear what the benefits of breastfeeding are and we'll talk about them and there are benefits. But if it's putting a wedge between you and your baby, if you are pushing yourself and you make it to the six month mark and you are just dreading every second, your kid feels that. And so it's important to talk about that point in time where we want to support you for as long as you want to go. But the second that it becomes more, way more stressful than it is beneficial, it's important to have that conversation of maybe that's time for you. Mm -hmm. I'm so excited that we're talking about this today. I think it's an important conversation to be had. I'm so excited that we're talking about breastfeeding and formula and really clumping it in to not talk about one versus the other, but really just how you feed your newborn. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's feeding your newborn. Right. And so it should be one topic altogether. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I think something else we should quickly touch on, I know we mentioned it, but you know, symptoms of postpartum and going through that hard part after you give birth, which is a huge, huge toll on your body. You just lost all those hormones that you had slowly accumulated through your entire pregnancy, nine or 10 months, and then whoosh, they're all gone. (laughs) I just feel like your body is going through a lot. And I think that's something that people are starting to talk about more. And I'm so glad. And I feel like these past few years that I've had our, our babies, it's been normal to talk about it. And I've at least been a little aware of it, but had I not heard of it, I probably would have thought I am going psycho. I'm going to uh, kill my husband. <laughs> and, and what's wrong with me? You know? Yeah. There's two things I want to say here. Number one is I love giving education to moms before they have their baby about breastfeeding and bottle feeding. Because once you have the baby, you're so focused on the labor that the baby comes and then all of a sudden you're expected to feed them, whether that's the colostrum and and starting to develop milk or it's bottle feeding them. And if you don't have those um, that knowledge beforehand, it becomes even more 
even more confusing than it needs to be and overwhelming. Mm -hmm. The other thing is you're in a different place. You just gave birth. Whether that's a vaginal birth or a C-section, it is birth. And that is a big emotional roller coaster. So if you're not feeling mentally, emotionally, or physically like yourself, that is normal and it gets better with time. But it is important to talk about it and give yourself some grace. Give yourself some time to almost expect you're not going to feel like yourself in that beginning part. And as the days, and as the weeks go on and you get your footing, you start to feel better. But the more knowledge you can have going into it, I think that better that postpartum journey is. Mm-hmm. And you said something so good, which was communicate how you're feeling. And I really didn't mean that. I would never want to kill my husband. I love him so much. But you know, there's moments when you're going through postpartum. And I remember like processing these feelings. Like I feel so annoyed right now and I don't know why. And I had to tell Tyler, like, I'm really annoyed at you, but you haven't done anything wrong. But it took a lot of like processing that to realize that's what I was feeling. And I actually, it was almost like an intensified PMS symptom. And having that awareness to communicate that, whether it was to my husband or to a visitor that was coming that day, you know, because people want to come visit the baby. And it's so fun to like share your baby with your friends and your family. But, you know, there were days my family was going to come over and I said, you know, I have an hour right now and, and that's it. And so I, I was giving a boundary on that time that I had to give. And that was actually probably more than I had to give that day. But even if you have to tell people, look, like I'm just feeling a little weird today. If you could just maybe 30 minutes max. Oh, absolutely. Postpartum time, like everyone listen to this, is you need to give a start and stop time. And even if it's 20 to 30 minutes, I think the people coming want that boundary as much as you want to give it. It it, It's too much to have someone lingering around for a long time because you feel like you have to entertain them and you're healing yourself and you're taking care of a newborn. It's just too much. So... 30 minutes, an hour visits, keep them short, space them out over a couple of days and just give yourself that patience to know I don't have to... Not everyone has to come see the baby in the first couple of days. Like, it's okay if they come in a week or two from now. Um, it's okay if they come in a month from now. It's whatever works, whatever works for you. Mm-hmm. And that postpartum period is a huge hormonal shift. And we'll talk about that, you know, keeping yourself fed, keeping yourself hydrated. There's certain things that you can do to just help those hormones balance out and then time. So yeah. And be patient with your body. I think that's yeah. another thing. Just yeah. know that it's just a season and it will it will pass. And I'm I feel like I'm just now starting to get out of it, quite it honestly. Takes a while. Yeah. And it does. I mean, it, it takes nine or ten months to create that baby and birth the baby. It just takes time for our bodies to come back down from that. Absolutely. And you can't expect your body to go back in a month or two after having a baby, considering how long it took for your body to build that up. And so knowing that that's realistic is, you know, just give yourself that time. And your body has to recover. It just, it it grew a human and it birthed a human. So that's, that's a lot. Yeah. Did you feel postpartum symptoms? You know... I felt I was sleep deprived. I had a lot of the education up front, which I think helped me. There was definitely the hormonal shifts, but I've kind of seen the whole spectrum. So I don't know if I was more, it's hard to remember back to those moments, whether I was feeling them, but knew they were normal. So I didn't label it as something else or I didn't feel it. But I can tell you that 
time and time again, when I go into, you know, I talk to new moms, they'll be in tears over anything because it feels that those emotions just bubble up. And so they're just, they'll say to me, I just needed someone. I, I felt like I was just losing it. I don't feel like myself. I'm not someone that just starts crying at the drop of a hat. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I had it all. I had the sleep deprivation. I, you know, breastfeeding, even though I teach this, I still had, I still struggled until I got it. And, you know, the thing to remember, I guess we'll jump into it, but the thing to remember is your baby is learning how to feed and you're learning how to feed them, whether that's bottle feeding or breastfeeding. And so there is that bumpy road in the beginning for everyone, no matter how much education you have. And so just stick through it. You know, that those bumps are learning moments. You're not going to know how to feed your baby perfectly when they come out. We all have to learn how to do it. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about the benefits of breastfeeding because it is such a beautiful and natural thing. And I think I had really hoped that it would be that for me. Yeah. And I think it's just one of those really special moments that you have with your baby. So I, I had to kind of mourn that and and just like stick to only pumping when I was quote unquote breastfeeding. But what are the benefits of breastfeeding? Yeah. I mean, breast milk is liquid gold. Yeah. We talk about it. You know, there are a lot of benefits to breastfeeding. So there are studies that show that breastfeeding decreases the risk of infections, acute infections, and chronic infections. So it builds your baby's immunity. You pass along a lot of your immunity to your baby. It can decrease the risk of allergies and eczema. Um, so a lot of parents that have a strong history of allergies and eczema in their family, they'll, you know, choose to breastfeed. It helps your uterus contract and helps decrease that postpartum bleeding. So it helps kind of that st- your stomach come back together, which is great. And there's a whole list of, of benefits, you know, for the baby and, and for the mom. There's some research to support that if you have a baby girl and you breastfeed, it can decrease your risk of cancer in the mom down the road, really? which is amazing. Breast and ovarian is where the research is, which is fascinating. Yeah. So there are a lot of benefits. And I think remembering that our bodies are really smart. And so breast milk adjusts to make sure that the baby gets what they need from you. And so a lot of times moms become much more depleted because for a lot of nutrients, not all of them, but for a lot of nutrients, they'll pull from the mom to give to the baby through breast milk instead of jipping the baby. <laughs> So interesting. What about, I had heard this when I was breastfeeding Olivia, that even as they get older, if you save breast milk in like little ice cube trays, so like one ounce little cubes and give even one ounce to your baby a day, that's enough Some immunity. immunity. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the cool thing about breast milk, and I think this is what's not talked about enough, is that there's benefits at any volume. And so if you're someone that can produce and you feel like I'm only producing an ounce a day, you can save that ounce a day for your baby and supplement with formula and you're still getting some of those benefits with breast milk. And what we know is that the benefits are proportionate to the volume that they get. So they'll get some benefit at an ounce a day. And if you're able to exclusively breastfeed, they will get more benefits, but it really is beneficial at any volume, which is fantastic. And mm-hmm. a lot of times parents say, I'm just not able to meet 100% of their needs. So what's the point? Right. Oh, that's so cool. My friend, Taylin, she's such an amazing human. She was producing so much breast milk and she had a baby a little before I did. And so she was 
giving me some of her breast milk, which was really cool. And so I was giving Atlas like a little bit a day. I was, I told her, I was like, I'm rationing this. And she was like, no, 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 I have so much. Let me give you more. And I'm like, no, I don't want to take all your milk, but I would just give him a little a day. And even that was just awesome knowing he was getting that immunity. You know, there are milk banks. If you can't produce and breastfeeding is something that you really always dreamed of giving your kid or after this podcast, you decide you want to give your kid some of those benefits. There's milk banks where you can get, where you can purchase some and there's donated milk from a lot of places. And so there are ways to get other people's breast milk if that's something you're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And then how do you know just if your baby's getting enough breast milk? This was always so tricky for me because... My babies would feed initially when I was breastfeeding, they would feed for 35 minutes. And I'm like, okay, did they get enough? Like, are they just nursing on me just to soothe themselves? Like, how do I know that they've gotten enough? Yeah. That's an excellent question. And I think that's actually the most commonly asked question. There's something really nice about formula or bottle feeding, pumping your breast milk and giving it to them in a bottle or putting formula in a bottle and giving it to them Mm -hmm. because... There is so much that we can't control in those early postpartum times. And there's something really nice to know. They took three ounces and they got that. But the beauty of breastfeeding and the beauty of this is they will take as much as they need to grow. And there's some key things that you want to look out for. So the first thing is, is that you need to feed every two to three hours. This is for any infant, any newborn. Their stomach is about the size of a pea. And so they need to be fed frequently. And the catch to this is every two to three hours means from the beginning of the feed. So if you feed at 10 a.m., your baby's due to feed again at 12, even if you said it was a 35-minute session, Mm -hmm. right? So it's not that you start the clock at 12.35. So in the beginning, you either feel like you're washing bottles and giving bottles all the time, or you're a cow that just brings your baby up and you're feeding all the time. That's normal. So if your baby is feeding eight to 12 times a day, that's number one. My favorite trick is that if they're hydrated, that means they're getting enough milk. So for that first week of life, you want your baby to have one wet diaper per day of life. So on day three, you want them to have three wet diapers. By day five, six, seven, they're going to have so many wet diapers that you're going to not even think about it. Um, And you can stop counting. But knowing that they're having enough pee diapers, that's poop does not matter. Pee is what tells us that they're hydrated. Mm. When your baby's at the breast, you're going to hear them swallow. It just here sounds like a little swallow sound. So you'll hear them swallow at your breast. Uh, Another thing is, is that they're going to regain. They're going to lose weight after they come out. And that's normal. When they're inside of you, they're attached to the umbilical cord and they're just getting fed 24-7. When they come out, you need to learn how to feed them and they need to learn how to feed off of you. So by two weeks, you want them to be back at their birth weight. And something that I don't think is talked about a lot, but C-section babies tend to lose a little more weight than vaginal birth babies do. Because when they come out, they haven't been pushed down the birth canal. So not all that fluid is squeezed out of them. Mm -hmm. So they lose a little more fluid weight. And then the other thing is from a mom's perspective, when you first breastfeed, it's colostrum which is just, they only need about a tablespoon, a teaspoon to a tablespoon a day. So it's so small. And then after colostrum, it becomes this transitional milk, but your real milk doesn't come in until about day five. And every mom going through, once you feel your milk come in, you know what that feels like. I say you're (laughs) going to look like a fembot. It feels like cement almost coming in. Your boobs get really hard and really big. You just feed naturally through that. Don't pump it away because you don't want to overproduce milk. But 
it will go down. Your boobs will go down. You will feel better. But at that five, about five day mark is when your milk really comes in. Mm-hmm. And yes, it does come in. <laughs> One other thing I wanted to just say is that we talk about sore nipples a lot. So there are some people that say breastfeeding you, it should not be painful. It shouldn't be painful, but you are going to feel it. Mm-hmm. And so typically if you have extremely cracked nipples or when you put them on the breast and they're going to latch and your toes curl under because the pain is so much or you know you just feel that pain mm-hmm. with letdown that usually signals that you have an inappropriate latch and once you get the right latch your nipples won't be as sore so if you're having really cracked really painful nipples get help ask someone for help because that's a sign that they're not latching appropriately and that's actually the number one reason most people don't breastfeed is because if you can't get that latch it's so painful Mm-hmm. that it's too hard to do. Oh my gosh, it's unbearable. Back to the feeding every two to three hours a day. I was going to say there's some really awesome apps. One that I used was Baby Connect. And I liked it because my husband and I could share or I could say, hey, I'm starting a feed now. Can you enter it in the app? Or I, we can share it with a caregiver or a grandparent or whoever. And so whoever's watching the baby can enter that feed. And so everyone's on the same page. And so I loved it because Tyler and I could really be on the same page for that knowing, okay, did he have a poopy diaper? Did he have a wet diaper? And so we could keep track of all of that. So then when you go to your pediatrician's appointment and they're like, so how many wet diapers did you have? And you know, you're tired. It's hard to remember all of this stuff. So it's a great way to keep track of all of that. And the feedings, but also the first time when I had Olivia, she was my first And during the day, she would go two to three hours in between feeds. And then some days she was napping so well. And I was like getting so much done. And I was like, oh, it's like three and a half. Oh, it's getting to four hours. And I remember the couple of times I went four hours, I was like, oh my gosh, I got so much done. But then later, like she wouldn't sleep as well at night. And so I think that's a good thing to remember is to when you consistently feed them through the day, it's going to set them up for better sleep at night. And even as tempting as it is to go those four hours, sometimes when they're sleeping so well, it is important. I think to really stick to that two to three hours with my second two babies, I really stuck to like almost two and a half hours on the dot. Absolutely. And their apps, what I like about it too, is that they have a timer so that you can actually monitor like the left breast and the right breast. So you can start pushing the timer. And so it keeps track of that. Yes. I loved that. That was really, really helpful. And then it it shows like if you pumped and it, it can also, you can say, I fed a bottle at this time. I fed breast milk at this time, or I I did formula and it's just really specific and I loved it. It's called Baby Connect. And then another thing I loved was the Hatch Scale, which was also a changing table. And so it connects to your phone. And so you can weigh them before and after a feed and figure out how much your baby is getting. But that's something else I loved. My friend told me about that before we had Luca and it was one of the best things. All right. Something else I think we should talk about is when is the right time to incorporate a bottle when you're breastfeeding? What's too soon? What's too late? When is that sweet spot? Yeah. So there is a lot of misinformation about this. And so if you have to give a bottle early on in those early days, that's totally fine. If you're breastfeeding, it's best to incorporate a bottle somewhere between that two to four week mark. The reason is, is if you give it too soon, your milk supply hasn't really been established yet. And so it can interfere with that. 
And if you wait, so a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of parents wait because they say, I'm not going back to work until the three-month mark. So it's just easier to pull them up to my breast and not pump. But if you wait too long, what it can result in is your baby refusing the bottle. So I say choose some point between that two to four-week mm-hmm. mark and then be consistent. So give them, you know, three to four times a week, give them one bottle a day. What happens a lot is that you introduce the bottle around three or four weeks and you say, my baby got it. And then you wait until they're three months old. And that also can result in your baby refusing the bottle. The other thing to say is that when you are feeding, whether you're formula feeding or breastfeeding, it's important to you to do paste bottle feeding. So when we think about babies, we think about them laying on their back in front of you and you holding up the bottle over them. So it's perfectly vertical. What happens is it's just too much milk is released at that point. And so it can, you know, worsen GI upset. It can make too much milk go too quickly. So instead, think about propping your baby up, like having their neck closer to your shoulder. So they're in the crux of your arm and then pulling the bottle up. So it's more horizontal to them, giving them some milk and then bringing it back down and then bringing some milk and bringing it back down. What that will do is make sure that you're giving them kind of the right volume of milk. Mm -hmm. We've naturally had to do that anyways, because of reflux. Two of our babies had reflux. Luca, of course, had zero issues eating (laughs) because he is our eater. But yeah, reflux was a thing. So we've just really kept them elevated eating anyways. Uh, But something else to touch on is mastitis. I think that's something the first time I got it, I was like, am I sick? Like what's happening? And like I had these body aches and I thought I was getting the flu or something. And of course it was mastitis and it was awful. Will you just touch on what that is? It feels like the flu. So basically when you're feeding, if you think about your breasts, milk is coming back from all the back parts and coming out your nipple. And so it's a bunch of freeways. And if any one of those freeways gets clogged, we want to make sure it gets unclogged because milk that stays there and gets clogged can turn into an infection. So that infection, what that ultimately becomes is an infection called mastitis. So there's a couple things you can do to prevent mastitis, which is feel your breasts. If you feel anything that's like a hard pea size, you know, little dot, it can even be as large as like a peach, you know, any really hard ball that's inside your boobs, you want to massage that to get that out. You want to make sure that you're wearing a actual nursing bra because anything with underwire or that's just too tight fitting can increase those clogs. And if you're not feeding regularly, so if you normally feed eight times a day and then the next time you only feed three or you you just skip feedings, that can increase your risk of mastitis. So what I always say is if you find a clogged duct, let's do everything we can to unclog it to try to prevent it from going to mastitis. So the first thing is to put some hot, hot compress on it. So go in a warm shower. Then you want to massage it. Vibration is the best. So if you have an electric toothbrush, use the back end of it in the shower to give some vibration on that clogged area. And then nurse your baby. You want to make sure that you're nursing them regularly because babies are actually really good at declogging that area. And then if it's still not coming out, you can pump. And so pump after the feeding to try to release it. If you get to the point though, like Haley was saying, where you feel like the flu is there and you feel sick, that is so important that you call your doctor and you get on antibiotics because mastitis is something that has to be treated. And you want to stay on the antibiotics for the full course and not stop it prematurely. Okay. 
this actually just reminded me about thrush. Is that some, I mean, does that happen to a lot of people or was that just <laughs> it happens me? To, it happens to a lot of people. <laughs> so for those of you that don't know what thrush is, and I don't want to scare anyone before they've started breastfeeding. <laughs> but no, I mean, it's a good question. So thrush is just a yeast infection basically that gets in the baby's mouth and it can be on your nipple. So that is definitely something you bring up with your doctor. It's easily treatable. But if you see whiteness, like it's almost like white patchiness in their mouth or tongue in your baby's mouth or tongue, and it can be painful for them, bring that up because that's also something to address. Thrush is much less common than mastitis or clogged ducts, but it does happen. Mm-hmm. I remember getting it. I was eating a lot of sugar, like a lot of fruit. I was just craving fruit. And maybe could that have been why I was just eating so much sugar in my diet? That's interesting that you say that. Not likely. Fruit is actually great when you're breastfeeding because it gives you all those vitamins and minerals. The reason that thrush happens most commonly is because some people, I call them leakers and some people aren't leakers. So your breast milk can leak out. And so you want to wear a breast pad to keep that area really dry. But anywhere where there's just moisture that's sitting there, and in the beginning, you don't really know this, that you have to change those breast pads frequently or change bras if they get wet. You just feel like sometimes there's milk leaking out everywhere. So the biggest cause of thrush is just Mm -hmm. that milk sitting there in your bra. (laughs) (laughs) That that Uh, does bring me though to like the other common thing is that nutrition for breastfeeding. Yeah. I want to talk about that. Yeah. I think anytime postpartum, one of the best things you can do for yourself is just have a nutritious, well-balanced diet. It's it's hard. We're thinking about a baby. If we don't prepare ahead of time, we're going to go starving and you know we're not going to drink the amount of fluid that we need to. So when you are breastfeeding, you actually need about on average 500 calories more a day than you do normally. And that is more than any part during your pregnancy. So you need a lot. You're feeding an entire other human from your milk. So making sure that you're eating enough, drinking enough, and stimulating your breasts enough. The most important thing are those three things. So fluid, it's actually a lot that you need. If you're breastfeeding, you need 13 to 16 cups of water or fluid a day. And if you're not breastfeeding in that postpartum period, you need eight to 10. I do remember that feeling of just being so thirsty all the time and hungry, but mostly thirsty. Yeah. And that's great. You have a great thirst reflex. I'm just not that lucky person. I have to remember to drink. If I don't have a water bottle, you know, I talk about setting up feeding stations so that any place that you expect to be feeding your baby, whether it's a bottle or the breast, have snacks on hand and have fluid on hand. If it wasn't where I could go grab it, I wasn't going to drink it. Yeah. That's true because you're just tied down most of the time. And also I think, well, this is just me personally. I was always craving sweets like cake. And that's the time when people are delivering all those fun treats like banana bread and cakes and and things like as congratulation. And it's so fun. And I was inhaling sweets. And so I finally had to be like, okay, I need to have some healthy snacks available and just ready in the fridge for me to grab, whether it was like a plate of fruit or just some veggies and hummus. So what are some good snacks to just have on hand? Right. You need ready-made stuff. So if Oh, you... those oat bites. Oh, sorry. I just interrupted you. No. Oat bites. I, yes. That was our bites. number one. Oh my gosh. Which also helped milk supply. Yeah. So top foods, warm foods and beverages really help. Avocado, warm. warm. So really? warm. warm is just helpful postpartum. 
you know, there's not a lot of research on this, but anecdotally, just watching people, you're if you're cooking the food, your body can digest it easier. But no matter what, you're tired postpartum. So I always crave warm things when I'm tired, just like a warm, nice cup of tea or, you know, anything like that really helps. Cooked vegetables in a bowl, rice, cooked vegetables, a little bit of protein, but kind of the, the powerhouses, avocado. It has so many key nutrients. It's got folate, it's got potassium, it's got healthy fats in it hemp seeds, chia seeds, flax seeds. They're loaded with fiber, protein, and omega-3s, which you need. So I say put some hemp seeds or chia seeds on your avocado. Any place you can add it in those oat balls you're talking about is a great place. Anywhere you can add it in a smoothie, the more seeds, the better. Mm-hmm. Oats, like you said, you know, there isn't as much research on how they increase milk production, but anecdotally, we know it does. And there's no risk of eating oats. So I love oats. So mm-hmm. loading up on oats is great. Nutritional yeast and brewer's yeast are also great for milk production. And nut butters. We want to make sure we're getting enough fat and enough protein. So if I had to choose yeah. my favorite foods postpartum, I would say those are it, if you can incorporate that some way. But when people ask so how they can help you, tell them food. Yeah, just having food in your refrigerator or at those feeding stations and trying to prepare ahead of time will really make sure that you're fed. Mm-hmm. And doing things like those simple overnight oats, which you can put all those things that you just mentioned in them and just stick in the fridge in little mason jars. Go on Amazon, order some mason jars, get some oats, get some chia seeds, flax, all that stuff, peanut butter, almond butter, and put it in there, set it overnight, and then you have them for the week. It's yes. just done. Getting as many nutrients from food is best. But in the postpartum period, it's also important to continue your prenatal vitamin or take a postnatal vitamin if that's available to you. You want to keep up on the omega-3s. So taking a DHA or EPA supplement, especially if you're breastfeeding, because your babies are actually dependent on that. And then your baby, if you're breastfeeding, this is something important to bring up with your pediatrician. If you're breastfeeding, you want to supplement your baby with vitamin D. And so they have this little liquid vitamin D that's about 400 IUs that you give your baby a day. Mm, That's cool. You probably told me about this book, but it is The First 40 Days. Yes. The First 40 Days is a great cookbook. It talks about how to take care of your body in the postpartum period, thinking about it as the fourth trimester and really what give some recipes and really good guidance. I think we touched on, you know, how to increase your milk supply, but let's just talk about really quick ways to decrease your milk supply. You know, there are people that are overproducers of breast milk. And if you're an underproducer of breast milk or you haven't experienced this, you might think that it's really a champagne problem, but overproduction (laughs) really is a hard thing to deal with. It causes the feeding relationship to just be a struggle. Your baby is gagging and it feels like they're choking on the breast and you're uncomfortable. And there's just a whole slew of issues that come with overproduction. So whether you're an overproducer or you want to start decreasing your milk supply to wean down, there's a couple key things to do. The first is, is that knowing that stimulating your breast is one of the most important things that we can do to establish milk supply. So something that I see all the time is that a mom feels this pressure right when the baby is born to start pumping to get their milk to come in. And what happens is, is that you're feeding them and you're pumping and you're overstimulating too much. And so that overstimulation causes an oversupply. So Mm -hmm. making sure that you're only stimulating your breast as much as your baby needs in the beginning 
And once you start pumping, only adding like one pumping session for a short period of time to start building up that milk store. So don't overdo it. The same thing of when you're transitioning down, which is look at your pumping times and decrease the amount that you're doing. So stimulate your breath less, basically. Mm-hmm. The other thing you can do when you're ready to wean down for not overproducers, but just when you're starting to wean down, there's some great teas that have sage and other types of compounds in it that, or I should say other herbs in it that help naturally decrease uh, milk supply. Mm-hmm. There's an old school trick that sounds disgusting and smells disgusting, but it really does work. But you take cabbage and you freeze it and you actually put it in your bra. That helps yes. decrease milk supply. Wow. Wow, in the world. That's amazing. It's amazing. It it really is amazing. And when I tell people every time they look at me, just what are you talking about? And then they say, okay, the smell was worth it Uh, because you're more comfortable. Yeah. The biggest things, you can also talk to your doctor. There's also some actual medications, you know, antihistamines that can help decrease your milk production, the ibuprofen, taking some anti-inflammatories. Your doctor can guide you through that process. What's the most important thing is that you want it to be a transition. So when you're ready to stop breastfeeding, don't just do it overnight. I know it's so tempting and you just want to be done once you make that decision, but transition down. Mm -hmm. It'll help decrease your risk of infection and it will also help it so that your boobs go back to the way that they were prior to pregnancy. So decreasing down helps. Really? Yes. Well, there's my problem. (laughs) (laughs) The biggest thing is when you feel that discomfort where you feel like you need to pump or release, either hand express or just pump for like a few seconds to minutes to just relieve that pressure. Make sure you don't feel too uncomfortable. So that really helped actually. So formula, this is a big question I get. What's the right formula? What's the difference between different formulas and liquid versus powder? I didn't even know there was a liquid formula. Yeah. You know, I think we think like, okay, so there's so many breastfeeding questions and then you start to do formula and everyone always asks me like, what do I do? How do I mix it? And which one do I use? And how do I do this? What's the owner's manual for this? So formula is a little simpler and we can break it down to be really straightforward. There are two main types of formula. There is powdered formula, which I think that's what everyone thinks about when they think about formula. And then there's also liquid formula, ready to use formula. Ready-to-use formula is sterile and it comes in just these really tiny little bottles. Ready-to-use formula is for those first couple weeks for mostly premature babies or newborns that are at risk because it's sterile. So you just put a nipple on top and the liquid is pre-mixed for you. Mm, Okay, I've seen that. Yeah, the other one is powder. And so you just follow the instructions, you mix the powder with water and you make your formula. And for most infants, that works. The biggest thing is that there's a lot of toddler formulas out there and there's a lot of other newborn, non-newborn formulas out there. So it's always good to talk to your pediatrician because you want to make sure that you're using a newborn formula for your baby. There are, I know Haley, you guys used Cabrita and it wasn't for newborns and you talk to your pediatrician. So it's Mm -hmm. so important to just clear the formula by your pediatrician because they can tell you if those nutrients are right for your newborn, if it's safe or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've really loved Cabrita for actually all of our kids. Once we stopped giving Olivia breast milk, she was five months old. And same with Luca at, I think, four months, we stopped giving him breast milk. And then, of course, Atlas at newborn, it's worked for all ages. And it's a goat's milk formula. 
And what I like about it is it's just so much easier on their bellies than cow's milk was when we tried cow's milk formulas for them. We've not tried cow's milk formula with Atlas, but I just feel like if the other two didn't do well with it, I'm just not even going to go there with Atlas and tried and true what's worked for you. Exactly. And I've had friends tell me the same thing, you know, the times that they've used cow's formula, it just tends to really upset their baby's bellies. But I know that every baby is so different. And so maybe just if you could break that down for us, like the difference between cow and goat's formula and is there a better one or a preferred one? The approach to formulas in general is that you want to start with kind of the most basic formula before you get down to the more specialized formula. So sometimes it's tempting. You think like, oh, my baby, all babies have gas. We should say this, whether you're breastfeeding or formula feeding, gas is normal. It peaks around six weeks. Every baby has it. And so I think we kind of look for these quick fixes like, oh, maybe it's something in the mom's diet or maybe it's something in the formula that's causing the gas. And a lot of times Mm -hmm. it's just their GI tract is immature. If they could stay in you for another trimester, they would. They're just too big. So it takes some time for that GI tract to develop. It really is always at that age. Right? It's the six-week mark. Yes. Yes. It just peaks. Six to eight weeks is just gas central and it gets better. So if you're in that right now, just know it gets better. And there's some things you can do. You know, you can rub their belly and we can go into that on a whole podcast, but there are things to do to help that gas. But just knowing that gas is normal, I think helps people because you realize, okay, it's not, my baby's not fussy because I'm giving them something bad. My baby's fussy because they have an immature GI tract and they're just a little gassy. So you want to start with a regular formula first, because if you start with kind of these elemental formulas or the easier to digest ones right off the bat and your baby doesn't tolerate it, you don't know what they didn't tolerate. So always start with the, the normal one first. Between cow's milk and goat's milk. So some babies do better with goat's milk over cow's milk. Cow's milk is a big protein. It's sometimes really hard to digest. And so some babies do better with goat. Sometimes it's the opposite. Some babies don't do well with goat and cow's milk work. And some babies need to even go to a soy-based formula, something that is an animal protein and is soy-based. There has been a lot of anecdotal evidence from people and in some of the literature that goat's milk can help and is sometimes easier on their bellies. But with that said, a lot of times what I find is that they do find with the cow's milk once they've been on it for a little while. If your baby is having bloody stools, if your baby is really upset, a lot of times the bloody stool, it's usually a cow's milk protein allergy, whether you're breastfeeding or formula feeding. So that's definitely a time to talk to your pediatrician anytime you see really mucusy stool or bloody stool. Another formula we tried for a little bit was baby's best organic pea protein. And Luca also did well with that. That was a really good alternative to dairy. Yeah, that's great. And there are so many formulas out there. So the thing to do is there's a lot of good brands. Look at, you know, the ingredient list. I love that the pea protein worked. That's a, we'll talk about that in milks later on too, about pea protein milk. There's a lot of good research behind it and it mimics a lot of the animal-based milks. There's, an, there's 
Hip and Holly have been these really popular formulas uh, recently. I'd say over the past five years, they're European. Mm -hmm. There's a new company that's come out and I I don't know if it's Booby or Bobby, but they have a new formula that is on a subscription base, which is really nice. And a lot of babies have been tolerating that. So there are a lot on the market and finding the one that works for your baby, have some patience, try it for a little while before you start switching it around. Um, But once you find the one that works, stick with it and you will find one that works for your baby. Mm -hmm. And this is just kind of like a side bonus of what I've enjoyed about formula feeding our babies and bottle feeding when I was pumping is that I can really share the responsibility of feeding with my husband and whoever else is watching our kids. And it's kind of nice, especially when Atlas was a newborn and Tyler was injured. And so he was sitting around a lot and I could just be like, all right, we feed Atlas and I could tend to the other kids. And it was just this really nice balance of like, oh, just took some weight off of me. Yeah. Plus they got to bond a little more. Yeah, absolutely. If you're breastfeeding and you start the bottle around that two to four week mark, always have it where the mom is not giving the bottle. Give that responsibility to dad or your partner or a caregiver, someone else besides you. Mm -hmm. And I think partners are just looking, they want to engage in that feeding experience. It's so hard when you when you breastfeed and they're not part of that because they want, it's just something natural you want to do with your baby. So mm-hmm. once you get to that bottle, let your partner do it because I that is such a great point, Haley. I'm so glad you remembered to say that. Yeah. It was a sweet moment. I feel like Tyler's had a, a lot of bonding time with Atlas because he was bottle fed from day one, day two, actually. Yeah. The nice thing with formula is that formula is fortified with all the, a lot of the things that you need. So with breastfed babies, like I, when we talked about it before, that you need to supplement them with vitamin D on top of breast milk. With formula, usually it's already fortified in there. So you don't need to worry about giving them an extra supplement. But always good to talk to your pediatrician to make sure that you're supplementing yourself and your baby with everything that they need. Mm-hmm. Great point. Jess, is there anything else we need to talk about with formulas and breast milk? I feel like I'm forgetting something. I think the last thing I want to say pertains to breast milk and formula bottles. There is this impulse to get a bunch of different bottles and try a bunch of different bottles with your baby until you find the one that quote unquote works. Mm -hmm. But the way that I explain it is that every time you introduce a new nipple into their mouth, it's a learning process. So in the beginning, Mm. choose a bottle that works for you. We talk about our favorite bottles. You can see those on the website and we'll include those in the details of the notes of this podcast. But choose a bottle and stick with it because there is a learning curve. And so sometimes you have to introduce it a couple of times. The way I think about it is breastfeeding is a journey to figure out how to do it. And if your breasts all of a sudden changed, it was like Haley's breast, then my breast, then Haley's breast, then my breast, your baby wouldn't pick it up. So find a bottle and stick with it. Good reminder. That's kind of weird that I said your breast and my breast. No. (laughs) Okay, Jess, the question of the day is what made you feel full today or this week? So what made me feel full this week is all of you guys, just the amazing outpouring of love for this podcast and just the 
positivity that we've gotten through it. I mean, this has been such a labor of love for Haley and I. And Mm -hmm. just knowing that we're helping people fills me up in a way that I've never felt that full before. And so just knowing that we're building this community and for the support and all of the reviews and text messages and sharing on Instagram and social media, it means the world to us. It means the world. And I'm so grateful for that. That's what's made me feel so full this week. Wow. Thanks, Jess. I feel like that made me feel full right there. Wow. It's so true. I feel beyond grateful the fact that we get to do this together. And even if we're helping one person, it makes us happy. The fact that we've gotten so much great feedback and that Jess, not only are you changing my life and all the amazing guests we have on here, not only are they changing my life, but I think we're realizing that it's changing other parents' lives and just helping simplify things, which is what we all want. It's what I want. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful we get to do this. The perfect thing to make us feel full this week. Um, Mm -hmm. And really, we want to hear from you guys. So if there is a topic, if there's something you're struggling with, reach out. We want to hear about it and we want to tackle it on this podcast. This podcast is really for you and it's really to break things down. So please tell us what you guys want to hear. We're here for you. Yes. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you found something meaningful from this episode. Please subscribe, rate, and review. We want to hear from you. Your thoughts, experiences, and anything you want us to cover. Tune in every Monday for a new episode of Meaningful Living. And if you're looking for more ways to live a meaningful life, follow us on Instagram at Meaningful Living and visit our website, MeaningfulLiving.com. Can't wait to see you next week. 